Welcome to Russian History Retold, episode 152, The Life of Fyodor Mikhailovich Dostoevsky. Last time, we began a new series celebrating the cultural history of Russia by going over the life of Pyotr Tchaikovsky. This time, we go from music to writing with the life of Fyodor Dostoevsky. He was born on November 11, 1821, the second child of Dr. Mikhail Dostoevsky and Maria Nechaiva. He had seven siblings, and all but two, Lyubov, who died in infancy, and his brother Mikhail, would outlive him. He grew up on the grounds of the Marinsky Hospital for the Poor, which was in a lower-class district on the edges of Moscow. There he would come across many of the patients, some of whom would be the basis of characters in his literary works over the span of his life. One character was created in his mind after getting his father to attend to a young nine-year-old girl who had been raped by a drunk. The older man was the basis of people in his works, the Devils and the Brothers Karamasov, where a mature man would desire young girls. Part of his incredible gift was taking personal experiences and sharing them in his writings. At an early age, his parents would read to him from a variety of works, like heroic sagas and fairy tales. When he turned four, his mother began to teach him how to read using the Bible. His father was a strict disciplinarian who pushed his children towards advanced education through literature. He was exposed to writers like Goethe, Schiller, Pushkin, Radcliffe, Cervantes, and Homer. A small and gangly boy, Dostoevsky grew to be only five foot three, or 1.6 meters. When he and his one brother were sent to the Nikolaev Military Engineering Institute in 1838, shortly after his mother died the year before, he was obviously not the military type. His brother was actually turned away due to poor health. So there he went alone. As one of Dostoevsky's friends, Konstantin Trutovsky, said of him, quote, There was no student in the entire institution with less of a military bearing than F.M. Dostoevsky. He moved clumsily and jerkily. His uniform hung awkwardly on him, and his knapsack, shako, and rifle all looked like some sort of fetter he had been forced to wear for a time and which lay heavily on him. Dostoevsky was so odd and reclusive during his time there that the others called him Monk Photius. In 1839, after his father died, he had his first epileptic seizure. It was not to be his last. Over the coming years, Dostoevsky would graduate from the academy, garnering the rank of engineer cadet. He would now take part in one of his most debilitating vices, gambling. The gambling bug would consume him and cause him great financial woes throughout his life. He would be forced to write for money or translate books into Russian to make ends meet. In May of 1845, Dostoevsky would write his first novel, Poor Folk. Released in 1846, it was an immediate success. The literary critic Vazarian Belinsky dubbed the book Russia's first social novel. His second novel, though, The Double, was published just one month later after his first, and it was a critical flop. Always being a sensitive man, he began to have more frequent seizures because of it. In the next two years, he wrote a number of short stories for the magazine Annals of the Fatherland, but they did not prove to be very popular, so his income decreased, 
and he fell into financial trouble once again. Dostoevsky was a deeply religious man, believing Russian Orthodoxy to be the only true religion. Belinsky, who had befriended Fyodor, was an atheist who detested the church. This riled up the author who distanced himself, and they parted ways. At this time, as was common amongst intellectuals, Dostoevsky began to become enamored of the socialist movement, and in particular, the writings of men like Fourier, Cabet, and Proudhon. This was to get him into deep trouble, as we soon shall see. Because of his tight financial situation, he befriended a group of socialists known as the Petrushevsky Circle, who provided women board for him and helped him out financially. His group, though, was outed by a member of the circle, and he was summarily arrested. The group was nabbed because of orders of the arch-conservative Count Orloff and Emperor Nicholas I, who was getting paranoid about revolts like the Decemberist one in 1825 when he ascended to the throne, and the fact that Europe was going through a series of revolts in 1848. Dostoevsky and his friends were sentenced to death by firing squad. On December 23, 1849, the men were split up into three-person groups, and they awaited their fate. Luckily for them, the Tsar commuted their sentence at the very last moment, and I mean the very last moment, and sentenced them instead to exile in Siberia. Dostoevsky was to serve eight years of hard labor in Omsk, where he was shackled, hands and feet, all the time. His health suffered greatly, and he was extremely lucky to have survived. He describes his living conditions like this, quote, In summer, intolerable closeness. In winter, unendurable cold. All the floors were rotten, filth on the floors, an inch thick. One could slip and fall. We were packed like herrings in a barrel. There was no room to turn around. From dusk to dawn, it was impossible not to behave like pigs. Fleas, lice, and black beetles by the bushels. Released on February 14, 1854, he was to write a book based upon his time in prison called The House of the Dead. He spent some time in compulsory military service, but that was cut short as he was a sickly man. During this time, he met his first love, the married wife of Alexander Isayev, Maria Dmitrievna. Isayev died, and in February of 1857, Fyodor and Maria married. This was not to be a terribly happy marriage, as he wrote, quote, Because of her strange, suspicious, and fantastic character, we were definitely not happy together. But we could not stop loving each other. The more unhappy we were, the more attached to each other we became. His writing after being released from military service in 1859 became prolific. Works like Little Hero, Uncle's Dream, The Village of Stepanchikova, and The Insulted and the Injured came out in quick succession. Then, in 1862, he began to travel throughout Europe. Problem was, as we stated before, his gambling caused him to lose all of his money in Wiesbaden and Baden-Baden. Now, on a personal note, I, I was fascinated when I read this because I remember when I went to Baden-Baden twice on business, the company I was lecturing for put me up in a hotel right across the street from the casino that Dostoevsky lost much of his money. Strange how things like that happen in life. 
To make things worse, Fyodor's wife Maria and his brother and financial supporter Mikhail both died in 1864. His magazine, Epoch, had failed after his previous one, Vremya, which translates to time, was suppressed. Somehow he avoided bankruptcy, but just barely. His masterpiece, though, Crime and Punishment, began to run in the periodical The Russian Messenger in 1866. The people loved it, but back in St. Petersburg, he remembered that he had to write a book for a publisher who bailed him out financially in the past. The problem was he had a mere 30 days to accomplish the feat. He hired a stenographer, one Anna Grigorevna Snitkina, to help him. In just 26 days, he completed another astonishing piece of work with a very obvious uh, title, The Gambler. Dostoevsky also fell in love with the girl. They married on Fe February 15, 1867. Even though Crime and Punishment was a big hit and he made quite a bit of money, his debt was so large that she was forced to sell all her valuables. They then left Russia and began a honeymoon in Germany. In 1868, tragedy struck Fyodor once more when his three-month-old daughter Sonia died of pneumonia. It hit him hard, but didn't stop his writing. Later that year, he began to work on another classic, The Idiot. Again, it was carried in serial form in The Russian Messenger. The next year, his wife gave birth to their second child, Lyubov. By July of 1871, the couple returned to St. Petersburg after a four-year honeymoon. Things, though, were about to go south yet again with finances. They sold all their valuables one more time. Personally, Dostoevsky was to become more and more conservative as the years went by, in part due to the reaction to his imprisonment years before, and mostly because of his association with more radical elements of society then. He even became friends with Konstantin Pobodonetsov, remember from past podcasts, the arch-conservative reactionary who was to counsel three czars. During this time, he wrote the book Demons and the Adolescent. Dostoevsky was by now very famous, almost as much as the other literary giant of the time, Leo Tolstoy. And here's something that just really surprised me. Remarkably, the two of them never met, despite being world-renowned authors at the same time period in Russia. And Leo was extremely saddened when Dostoevsky died years later that they had never gotten together. As Susan Massey puts it in a must-read book, I really recommend this. Uh, it's called Land of the Firebird, The Beauty of Old Russia. She writes about the two giants, quote, During their parallel careers, as Tolstoy was writing about the world of the country gentry, a class and a way of life which were gradually disappearing, Dostoevsky was creating the anti-heroes who haunted the dark streets of misty St. Petersburg. Yet, although they were very different, Tolstoy the champion of nature and man, the brilliant recorder of reality in its most precise detail, and Dostoevsky, the relentless explorer of the dark recesses of men's souls. They were joined in their belief that in the Russian people lay the virtues that could illuminate the world. As Dostoevsky aged ahead of his years, 
he worked on his book, The Diary. He was now courted by the High Society of St. Petersburg, even ordered to the palace by Tsar Alexander II. But his health was slowly deteriorating, having more and more epileptic seizures. And the honors, though, were pouring in from all over the world, like the Association Littiere et Artistique Internationale. He finally knew that he had arrived. But then, in 1879, he was diagnosed with early-stage emphysema. Dostoevsky, at this point, was publicly denouncing liberalism and anything anti-Slavic. He made a grand speech in Moscow on February 3rd, 1880, to thunderous applause and a hug from fellow writer Ivan Turgenev. Fyodor, while cheered on by many, was highly criticized by the progressive members of society, which really hurt the feelings of the ailing author. With the country in turmoil because of radical elements within that were plotting and conducting assassinations of government officials, the Tsar's secret police were out looking for them. On January 25, 1881, they searched the apartment of one of Dostoevsky's neighbors, who was suspected of being a member of the Narodnya Volya, or the People's Will. That's the group that would later assassinate Tsar Alexander II. Fyodor, for some reason at that time, was to have a pulmonary hemorrhage, then another and another. The doctors were not optimistic for recovery. According to Gier Kijetsa, the, order of the, the author of the biography, Fyodor Dostoevsky, A Writer's Life, Dostoevsky's last words were from the book of Matthew 3, 14-15, quote, But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered, said unto him, Suffer it be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Dostoevsky then added, Hear now and permit it. Do not restrain me. On February 9, 1881, at the age of 59, Fyodor Mikhailovich Dostoevsky, the deep-thinking psychologist and author, died. On his tombstone in the cemetery at the Alexander Nevsky Convent, at the end of the Nevsky Prospect in St. Petersburg, you'll find a quote from the book of John 12.24, where Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. If you have a chance to go to the cemetery, you will not only find Dostoevsky's tomb, but that of many other great Russians like Euler, Lomonsov, Suvorov, Karamizin, Modest Mazorsky, Tchaikovsky, Karl Ivanovich Rossi, Prince Garisvan Shavchevetse, and Sergei Witte. Now I'm going to do something that I normally don't like to do, but I'm going to quote something from the great source of misinformation at times in Russian history and others, Wikipedia. That's not my favorite source of things, Russian history, but I had a couple of great paragraphs to explain Dostoevsky's influence on the world. Together with Tolstoy, Dostoevsky is often regarded as one of the greatest and most influential novelists of the golden age of Russian literature. Albert Einstein put him above the mathematician Carl Friedrich Gauss, calling him a great religious writer who explores the mystery of spiritual existence. Friedrich Nietzsche called Dostoevsky 
the only psychologist from whom I had something to learn. He ranks among the most beautiful strokes of fortune in my life. Hermann Hesse enjoyed Dostoevsky's work and cautioned that to read him is like a glimpse into havoc. The Norwegian novelist Newt Hampson wrote that no one has analyzed the complicated human structure as Dostoevsky. His psychologic sense is overwhelming and visionary. The Russian literary theorist M.M. Bakhitin's analysis of Dostoevsky came to be at the foundation of his theory of the novel. Bakhtin argued that Dostoevsky's use of multiple voices was a major development in the development of the novel as a genre. In his posthumous collection of sketches, A Movable Feast, Ernest Hemingway stated that in Dostoevsky there were things believable and not to be believed, but some so true that they changed you as you read them. Frailty and madness, wickedness and saintliness, and the insanity of gambling were there to know. James Joyce praised Dostoevsky's prose. He is the man more than any other who has created modern prose and intensified it to its present-day pitch. It was his explosive power which shattered the Victorian novel with its simpering maidens and ordered commonplaces, books which were without imagination or violence. In her essay, The Russian Point of View, Virginia Woolf said, Out of Shakespeare there is no more exciting reading. Franz Kafka called Dostoevsky his blood relative and was heavily influenced by his works, particularly the brothers Karamazov and Crime and Punishment, both of which he found profoundly influenced his book, The Trial. Sigmund Freud called the brothers Karamazov the most significant novel ever written. Modern cultural movements such as the Surrealists, the Existentialists, and the Beats cite Dostoevsky as an influence, and he is cited as the forerunner of the Russian symbolism, Existentialism, Expressionism, and Psychoanalysis. One wishes when you read about him and hear about his life, that I had, wish it hadn't been so filled with such tragedy and hardships. But then the world might not have been made better through his writings. In the end, Dostoevsky produced 15 novels and novellas, 17 short stories, and 5 translations. If you haven't read any of his books, you've got to go do it. My suggestions, my two favorites are The Brothers Karamazov and Crime and Punishment. I really believe that when you read them, you're going to be a better person because of it. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join me next time, which will be in about three weeks, as I'm going to be traveling quite a bit around the country uh, doing some lectures. Uh, but next time, we're going to go over another literary giant of Russian uh, culture, Leo Tolstoy. So don't forget to drop by the blog site where you can, if you'd like to, make a donation to RussianRulersHistory.com. Big or small really helps with the podcast. I want to keep this commercial-free as possible. Also, join us on Facebook as well, and we're still having lively discussions. Sometimes they get a little heated, but not too bad. You know, our listeners tend to be very civil people. You can leave a message, make a you know suggestion, ask a question. But as always, das vidanya i spasibo bolshoya.